0: This is Plant-Based Briefing, Avoiding Burnout, by Karen Davis, PhD at United Poultry Concerns at upc-online.org. And I'm Marian Erickson. This is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate articles on healthy, compassionate, and sustainable living for people who are short on time but are interested in all the facets of vegan and plant-based living. Today's article is by Karen Davis. She's the president and founder of United Poultry Concerns. They're a nonprofit organization promoting the compassionate and respectful treatment of domestic fowl. She's the author of numerous books. She is a speaker in high demand, and she also has a great podcast called Thinking Like a Chicken, and it's all about chickens and turkeys and domesticated fowl. And it's also short episodes. I think she publishes it every couple of weeks. So please check that out, and you can find it all at upc-online.org. And now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Avoiding Burnout by Karen Davis, Ph.D., at upc-online.org. Several years ago, after we met as hunt saboteurs in the 1980s, I had a conversation with animal rights advocate Norman Phelps, who told me, Ten years ago, when I started doing this, I thought we'd end sport hunting in no time. I thought reason would prevail. It seemed so obvious. In 1994, Peter Singer, author of the book Animal Liberation, which launched the modern animal advocacy movement in 1975, said in an interview that, In the early 1970s, my expectations ranged all the way from having mass support for goals such as getting rid of factory farming, which seemed to me to be absolutely indefensible. But that hasn't come. Decades later, our campaigns against factory farming and sport hunting continue, along with all our movement's other campaigns on behalf of non-human animals. We stopped the Higgins pigeon shoot in Pennsylvania, but canned pigeon shoots continue to be held in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Oklahoma, and the number of chickens being slaughtered every day in the United States has risen from 25 million to 35 million. We've reduced the number of chimpanzees in the laboratory, but the numbers of birds, rats, and mice being used are astronomical, and the genetic engineering of animals is in its global infancy. It's easy for an animal activist to be consumed with rage and despair— to grow exhausted and burn out, confronted with the horror each and every day of our species' relentless assault on other species. It's important not to let this happen. While I've never burned out, I did drop out once before returning to the movement for good. Back in 1974, I joined a tour to Canada's Grindstone Island, designed to show islanders that tourism was a better way to make money from baby harp seals than killing them for their fur. What I saw there caused me to withdraw from further activity for animals for nearly 10 years. One spring day in the early 1980s, I walked across Lafayette Park in Washington, D.C. in response to a newspaper ad for World Laboratory Animals Day. As I looked at pictures of animal victims of head transplants and burn experiments, I pledged I would never again abandon animals to the iniquity of our species because I couldn't bear it. I see three major causes of the exhaustion that threatens all of us in this movement—the endless omnipresence of animal suffering caused by humans, public resistance to our message, and letdown by other activists. We start out full of energy, we picture victory and a crowd of protesters at every demonstration, we envision reason and compassion taking charge of people's lives, and then reality erodes our dream. I have a motto I once saw pinned on a wall at the University of Maryland, attributed to a 19th century European revolutionary, pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. This expresses my basic attitude toward the work I do. My attitude is not, if I didn't think we'd win, I'd quit, to which I would say, then quit. Working for animal rights isn't a football game or beauty contest. It's working to modify our species' attitudes and behavior at a deep level, to develop a different set of genes. Of course I want to win. I want animals to win. But I realize that working full-time to achieve this goal is no guarantee of success, because the forces out there may be too strong to overcome. I value Coleman McCarthy's advice in an interview in the Animals Agenda magazine, To the question, do you think we'll succeed, he said, don't worry about being successful, just be faithful. While we do not have full control over whether we'll succeed in the fight for animal rights, we do have full control over whether we are and will remain faithful. If we are not faithful, we will not succeed. Faithfulness is not about having faith, but about keeping it. Our chicken sanctuary will always protect me from burning out because I could never abandon the birds whom I've come to know and love and who need me to fight for them. Alice Walker spoke for me when she wrote after watching a hen shepherd her chicks across a road in Bali, Now that I have absolutely seen a chicken, I can never not know, and thus be responsible for, chickens. This is the positive, obligatory sense of, once you've seen one chicken, you've seen them all. The morality of perception prescribes there is no turning back. Activists often say that what burns them out the most is the defection of local activists, including all those, Sorry, I can't make it to the demo after all, last-minute phone calls. When you burn out or don't show up, you encourage others to burn out or get lazy with you. You let animals and your colleagues down. Here again, the activist who is working to hold the grassroots group together can take heart, Walt Whitman said, we too form a multitude. An animal rights activist wrote about being a lone animal rights protester. It's better to have one person out there than no one, although it really irks me when I can't find a few more people to protest with me. Obviously, the more people the better. But don't stay home because you can't find anybody to go with you. All you need is a huge graphic photo and a good caption on poster board. A committed activist who won't burn out needs three important things facts, confidence, and passion. When we know our subject and can articulate our issues, our confidence grows along with our credibility, and we become stronger and more effective every time we speak. But facts by themselves may not be persuasive. If we lack or fail to convey passion for our cause, we will have a hard time getting people's attention. Arthur Costler, who fought successfully to abolish capital punishment in England—it took 15 years, from 1955 to 1970—said in his preface to his book Reflections on Hanging, My intention was to write it in a cool and detached manner, but it came to naught. Indignation and pity kept seeping in. This is perhaps just as well, for capital punishment is not merely a problem of statistics and expediency, but also of morality and feeling fair pleading requires that one's facts and figures should be right, that one should not distort or quote out of context, it does not exclude having one's heart and spleen in it. I believe this completely and hope I am living up to this measure. We should rage against the dying of the light in every animal's eyes that results from human cruelty and abuse. The thing is to transform that pity and rage into one's case for animal rights. It's hard to burn out once we see ourselves as advocates with a case to put before the public. What matters is making the most of the opportunity of being on the right side, win or lose, while we are living. You just listened to Avoiding Burnout by Karen Davis, Ph.D., at upc-online.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and I, I'm sure anyone who advocates for animals, has experienced some of these same feelings the rage, the sense of hopelessness, the anger at our fellow vegans when they won't step up. But I love this article. It reminds me that it just doesn't matter. As long as I keep stepping up, that's what I have to do. That's what I can control. And I'm a member of the Anonymous for the Voiceless activism group in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's about an hour and 20-minute drive from my house. So I've been going sometimes, but then other times it's like, oh, I don't want to drive all that way. But then a few months ago, I first read this article, and that changed my attitude completely. I will not miss another one simply because I don't feel like driving that far. It's a form of activism that I really believe in, and I can easily do. And her article spoke to me when she mentioned that when people don't show up to protests, that of course we're letting the animals down, but we're also letting our colleagues down. And the more we contribute to colleagues getting burned out because people don't show up, the more we're letting the animals down. It's all about the animals. That convinced me to not be so selfish and attend, even if it just takes me an hour and 20 minutes each way to get there. That is no big deal. And I'm so glad that I read this article and she changed my attitude here. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit. And thanks for listening.